Hi everyone and welcome to episode 28 of the Two Spotting Muppets. You're here with Greg and also joining me as per usual is my co-host Gray. How are you this week, mate? Very well, thanks Greg. How are you? Yeah, travelling alright. Good to be back talking about sport after a bit of a hiccup on my end last week where we missed a week and I apologise to you and our avid listeners, of which there are many I know, but we are back to it this week so it's good to catch up. How many listeners indeed. Hello Mark from Osvale. <laughs> But no, great, good to see you, Greg. You're looking well. Look, as you said, just happy to, to be the footies back. Cricket's going on still. Plenty happening around the place. Just great to be talk, able to talk sport. So what I was thinking, mate, is our little run through. We'll have a chat about the NRL, as we usually do. The AFL's got on the way last week. Hoops, you know, talk about the NBL and the, the women's NBL. Bit of cricket news. And a little, did I mention soccer just then? And also, look, need to start. Look, definitely a um, big NRL news during the week uh, was the death of John Sattler. You know, absolute, absolute, well, not an immortal, but legend, absolutely legendary, um, particularly for his heroics in the 1970 grand final where he had his jaw shattered in three places and basically just said to his teammates, put the mouth guard back in, said, I'm not going anywhere. You know, they helped him stand up and he somehow played. It happened in about the third minute. So about 77 minutes playing with a broken jaw. <laughs> that is incredible toughness. Absolutely crazy, but definitely worth touching on. As you said, unfortunately passed away and not an immortal in terms of the league's labelling of players, but certainly legendary status in the game. And, and within that South community, probably the most legendary player. For, for for basically, you know, not it's really he's remembered not for his career, which is a bit sad. It's very much that one game, as you said, that 970 grand final. And, and his career, though, is that it's outstanding. Yes. So he was captain. He was made captain at only 24 and captain South Sydney to four premierships. So that's a that's a decent effort. And they only won, they, they made five grand finals in, in a row and the, the famous 69 uh, grand final, which they lost to Balmain. But four grand finals, quite a legendary club. All those great players at the time, but also um, Clive Churchill was the coach in that in that little golden era. So from all reports, John Sattler, I remember um, going to a Balmain South game at SCG about 10 years ago, and they obviously had an old boys day or something, and the old South Sydney players were sort of walking out towards the ground. And look, obviously, yeah, they're in their 70s, so as you do with age, you're not quite the physical specimen you were. But even um, considering that, I couldn't believe how small John Sattler was. And he played in the front row. So by modern day standards, you know, tiny, but just so gutsy. And just apparently, as many were in those days, quite brutal and win at all costs on the field, but an absolute gentleman off the field. Yeah, I've read the same thing, that he was absolute, uh, you know, amazing human being off the field. And as I said, I didn't know he was so small until I saw a photo the other day they showed him sending us to Sam Burgess after South won their last grand final and Sam Burgess obviously also played the front row and he was significantly smaller than Sam Burgess who was a very big human being I admit but considering they played similar positions he was only like, looked like half the size which is quite interesting and I didn't realize that until I saw that photo earlier in the week yeah I was yeah I was almost amazed and you know it, 
it actually makes the heroics of that broken jaw and just playing in the front row even more, you know, legendary, I think. But yeah, so he was a curry play for Curry Curry originally and then picked up by Souths. Then he went off to Brisbane. But look, just an absolute legend of the game. Obviously, his son, Scott Sattler, you know, did a great grand final highlight of his own with a great cover tackle when he played for Penrith. But yeah, look, just a sad loss for the for the rugby league community. Very much so. Yeah. But look, and, uh, and it will certainly make for interesting viewing. Obviously, he'll be honoured. Souths play Manly this week. I, I, I did read they're wearing a special jersey with the little Rabideau logo half ripped off as in that grand final. So, Oh, that's a nice touch. I did see they're wearing a specially made jersey just for this game in memory of, of Sattler. Oh, that, that's a very nice touch. It did look good. It did look like they're doing it all the right way, which was really good to see. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, so, so Valet to, to John, John Sattler. Very much so. so it's, yes. Don't make, them like, don't make them like that anymore. Now, the actual NRL itself, Greg. So last round, our winners were Manly. Dolphin, the Dolphins, Fins up. My, they're my new second Dolphins, team, mate. The right. Dolphins, I've, I've adopted the Dolphins as my new second team. I think most people have. The Roosters, the Titans, narrowly over Melbourne Storm, the Warriors, the Broncos, Bulldogs, and the, Ra- the Raiders. So a couple of upsets. Look, at, I don't go in footy tipping because I'm just too stupid. I can't bet with my head. always bet with my heart. But apparently it was another round. There's been two rounds in a row where people are getting like naught one or two. Yeah, a couple of upsets in that. But the Dolphins keep winning, as you said, playing really well. Titans, that was a pretty good win against oh, – look, Melbourne definitely under strength. It, it's funny, you know, for all the games that were on the weekend, that was one of the ones I watched. It was nothing on that afternoon. I flicked the TV on, happened to watch uh, not all of it, but the majority of that game. It was actually not a bad game of footy to watch. Yeah, that was plenty happy. I saw a little bit. Gold Coast totally deserved to win. They were actually played quite well. It's some really good attacking stuff. Um, and the Warriors, the Warriors beating, beating the, the Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys have, you know, people said, will this year be a, was it a blip last year or, you know, just a, an outliner year? Well, it's starting to look like early days yet, but maybe it was. Look, I went to Belmore, had the pleasure of, look, it was a really good day out of Belmore. Look, I can't believe the players how, we talk about how tough they are, but it, it was meant to be 38. It was probably 32 by the time the game started. It was hot. It was hot on Sunday everywhere. Look, a bit of a breeze, but still very, very hot conditions. Look, and the, look, the Bulldogs had the game won. Tigers came back when it didn't matter. And as they often do, when the pressure's off, they throw the ball around and they get close enough. But once the Tigers were close enough to win it, if they were good enough, they capitulated, as often happens in those sort of games. But well done to the Bulldogs. Cut of, of wins for them. And I mentioned the Raiders. You know, they're, they're a pretty good game against Cronulla. So which, out of the round, a few, in, look, few injuries. I don't have a list of suspensions, but I know Jerome Hughes, Definitely copped some time, and so did Kafusi. I was going to, I was going to say Kafusi from the Dolphins. I know copped, you know, three or four weeks. I think around that sort of mark was significant. You know, which is certainly going to going to affect them. Well, we always said the Dolphins' depth was their biggest issue, so this is kind of their first real test. One of their in inverted commas marquee players is out for a few weeks. So I'll see how we go. We will indeed. I'm um, just just in news during the week. I know. Did, did I hear right today that Mitchell Moses finally signed the contract with Parramatta? So I, I did see that late this afternoon. Well, that's what I read as well, that he's committed to another couple of three years, maybe, till the end of 2025, I think he's committed to Para. Okay. Yeah, I heard that. I also heard talk of five years, so I'm not sure which Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe, I, maybe it was not 2025. Maybe it was actually five years. I could be wrong. I'm happy to be corrected on that one. Yes, but I, like you said, he, I did hear the same that he committed finally and the, the rumour mill can stop and he's actually committed to Parramatta. 
Yes, thank God. Sick of hearing about it. But well done to, well done to him. My frustration certainly wasn't leveled at him. It was just the, the whole media carry on. No, but look, good. He's secured his future and will hopefully continue to play good good footy. Um, like I said, I mentioned the couple of suspensions. In terms of injuries, look, um, Danny Levi, that was pretty unfortunate. That was a broken jaw very early on. Or was that last week? I, I'm pretty sure it was against Was that the one Cronulla. in Canberra? Yeah, yeah. No, that was this week because I saw that was in the first minute of the game, like the first three minutes of the game. It was yeah, very early no, on in the all, game. Always, always unfortunate when, when that happens. It just, just shows that. As we've spoken about, mate, the, the toughness. Absolutely. The toughness of the players. And that, and yeah, look, Manly, Manly starting to look okay. We mentioned the Titans, you know, winning a few games. Is there anything, Greg, that sort of grabbed you or anything that suggested something a little out of the ordinary? Not out of the ordinary. I think, as you said, you mentioned before, Canterbury are looking better and we thought they would look better, but they actually, I know they lost their first round, but of the next two, they've looked okay, which is. You know, they've spent a lot of money. They seem to be doing it the right way, but so good on them. Melbourne aren't performing, which is interesting because we both had them quite high up. So it'll be interesting if they come good, if that's just a blip for the first few rounds while they sort the stuff out. But that's interesting. Yeah, injuries haven't helped. That's true. Good point. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. And, and rumoured Munster 50-50 to play this week. Um, and look, something, the, look, look, the only one which will hurt you, and I have to mention it, you must be disappointed the way your boys are playing, given the fact the fanfare they got before the season and the money they've spent. I mean, I, I know every team needs a win, but it's definitely a case they just need a win to get some confidence up. Look, there were signs, not not the comeback. I wasn't getting as excited about the comeback as some people were. To me, it was you know, it was very hot. They got a bit of momentum and that. But look. Overall, the defence wasn't quite as bad. John Bateman is a great addition. He's one of those players. Something always happens. He's the English he's guy, the isn't he? Is he the Englishman? Yeah. yeah. He wasn't hard to spot in the crowd. He was He was milk bottle white. I was going to a bit pale for our summer, coming out of our summer. Yeah. No, I was saying afterwards he was pink. <laughs> he would have been after Sunday. Yeah, yeah cops cop the good Aussie son. But yeah, like he nearly scored a chip try. He just, one of those players that has that X factor yep. where things happen. Yeah, look, we. I guess you're always looking for, as a frustrated supporter. You're always looking for you know positives. Sure. And I guess one of the positives is they can play a lot better. Well, they can't go worse because they've been very disappointing overall in their first few rounds. They have been very disappointing. Yeah, look, I'm a. I'm sorry, listeners too. We always seem to be talking about the Tigers, but that's all a team where they just you know continue to shoot themselves in the foot and frustrate their fans. But they're now changing the team around. To me, that. I agree with Andrew Voss. I think I read Vossy say it, it, that reeks a little bit of panic already. You know, they've moved Dewey the fullback for this week. Wakem, Wakem come on um, late in the game and, and set up a few tries. I personally think they're getting a bit excited. It was 38 degrees or whatever. You know, now they've like, you know, seen to think that he's the, the answer, which, you know, ask any Bulldog supporter. They were so happy when he left. There's, there, look, there's no magic. There's no magic wand, as we know. It's, it's a bit of patience and hope those com- new combinations, and they are new combinations because there's a big. The Tigers have had a big turnover of players and new coaching staff, so you, you've got to wait for those new combinations to gel. And I, I think you're right. You've got to have a little bit of patience. If you start these sweeping changes early, it, it is a. It does wreak a bit of panic. I agree with you. It does. I know it's hard when it's the first few games in the whole overall scheme of the season. Three games is three games isn't that much, is it? No. But when it's your first three or four or five games, it just you know, it the media start, all that other stuff, people start having major doubts. It's it yeah, 
it's it's not a nice place to be in. No, and look, the, there would be pressure from above from the board too. They've spent a lot of money to get players in and a new coaching staff, and they expect results for that as well. And they're not seeing it after three yeah. rounds. And you, you, it's not fair, but that's reality of professional sport as well. It is. Just speaking of the Tigers board, we won't go into them much, but basically no one seems touchable up there. Justin Pascoe, who's just an absolute embarrassment of a CEO, you know, still doesn't seem to be accountable to anyone, and nor does the board. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, we'll move off the Tigers. I just thought, you know, you've got to mention, given the fact they made massive changes and they haven't seen anything yet, but as you said, three rounds across the season isn't a lot, so we'll just see where they go with that. Some of the things you and I both thought were going to be disasters, you know, I've been competitive. I'm thinking of likes of Newcastle and Gold Coast, and they've actually been quite competitive. They have been quite competitive. I wonder if it's down to you know, the good players and the good teams playing in the World Cup. So, you know, haven't had much of a break and they're sort of very slowly easing into the season. Definitely be more competitive, that is for sure. And that, and that's not a bad thing. That's a fair point. But if the competition's a bit closer, I think that's a good thing. I think that's great. I totally, totally agree. Great for the game. Now, just looking to this week, Greg, briefly, your thoughts. So at the moment, Eels and Par- Pe- Panthers, so obviously the Eels, uh, zero and three. They really need a win. They're like the Tigers. Eight, eight all after the 50th minute. So they're holding their own. So tomorrow we have the Storm versus the Tigers down in Melbourne. Now, Munster is rumoured to be back. Jerome Holmes is out injured. The Storm have quite a few injuries in the forwards. Can you see an upset? I wish I could say yes, but I can't. I really can't. Only because Melbourne haven't been performing well either and i can imagine bellamy got a rocket up on this week particularly around there why they played against in that second half against the gold coast they were not good and it's not a bellamy style team so i reckon their training would have been pretty hard this week and i reckon they in front of their home team home crowd i should say i think they will even though they've got a few injuries i appreciate that i think you'll see a better melbourne storm and your boys i think just are lacking confidence and going down there to win is always hard. Yeah, not an easy task. Something I heard Bellamy say after the game this week, which he rarely says, and he says his concern with his boys, well, defensively, to him it looked like there was no care factor. No effort. And he doesn't accept that. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they do bounce back. Now, the blockbuster in Brisbane could not have written the script better. How good is it? Like, how good is it for the game to have this new new team, new Brisbane team against the old boys? Both First local derby. Both performing quite well. Yep. Prime time, Friday, 8 p.m. at Suncorp. Dolphins versus Broncos. Broncos are in first and the Dolphins are coming second. How good. It, if it's not a sellout, it'll go close. I'm going to go for the Dolphins. Get their winning ways. I just think the Wayne Bennett factor. Go them as well. I just think the Wayne Bennett factor and he's going to stick it to them. The old, the way he was forced out of Brisbane the last time and the bad feeling and the way he gets his players up. I, I know they're missing Kafusi, but I just think, I don't know why. I just think the Dolphins. We'll get up for it. And I think, you know, it'll be that whole Wayne Bennett stick it to the Brisbane Broncos. Bit of a, you know, flick him a it's bird. One of his fortes, as he goes. It? it is his, one of his strengths, how he gets his plays. He'd be in his, he'd like sticking it up, old be guys. like a pig and shit this week, seriously. With I know he's not a media person, but he would be loving it. Oh, yes. And it's, and he gets the meaning out of his hand, too. He just plays them like a fiddle. Oh, he's amazing. But I'm, I'm with you, mate. I reckon the Dolphins might get up. Just back, I will pick the Tigers because someone has to. <laughs> and someone's got to stay loyal. Um, look, a pretty important game for the Cowboys. Cowboys 5.30 Saturday against the Titans. Where's it at? It, it's at um, Country Banks so or up in Townsville. Yeah, I, I think the Cowboys. I, I Look, I think Gold Coast played really well last week against Melbourne. They did. They played really well. But to back it up, up there, and Cowboys looking to 
get some respectability back. Again, they would have had a tough week of training. They were disappointing last week. So I, I think the Cowboys will get that one. Yes, Liam will be happy with me. You're going for the bounce back. Yeah, I'm going for the bounce back with that one. All right, I'll, I'll go for the. I'll go for an upset. I'm going to see if the Titans can keep their run. Rabbitohs, Sea Eagles. We mentioned the passing of John Sattler. Also, look, the Eagles have have got themselves into a bit of form. This should be this should be a good match as well. Should be a good game. Um, oh, where's the, where's that one at? Yeah, it's at Homebush, at Acor. I I think the bunnies on the back of the Sattler emotion. Oh, you you think that'd be enough to get that club up with their history and buying into that? You think that'd be enough to get? You'd like to think it'll play a significant role. Apparently, they've got they've got a few forwards out south, but that is that Sattler factor is certainly going to be you know, play a major role. You would think so. Look, I'm literally going. I'm sitting on the fence on that one. Toss the coin. Look, it, it could go. I mean, I'm picking South because you asked me. But if if Manly won that, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked next week if talking about Manly win. It wouldn't be. An, it wouldn't be an upset to me. Put it that way. Fair enough. No, I think your reasoning is quite sound. Warriors versus Bulldogs, and that one is over in New Zealand at, at Mount Smart. Warriors are playing okay. They are. They are. Yeah, I think the Warriors will, will 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 win that one. And look, I think the Dogs are playing better than last year, but I don't think I think Warriors will get that one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Now the Knights. You mentioned the Knights have been playing a bit better than expected. Knights versus the Raiders up in Newcastle. I'm that's my upset. I'm going to go for the Knights in that one. I, I can see why you're saying that because they. Haven't looked bad. Look, the Raiders have been all over the shop, really. That's why I'm, I'm picking the Knights because it's in Newcastle. Raiders, you know, they did, they beat Cronulla last week, but they haven't been consistently great or consistently good. And Newcastle have been better than I thought, and they get a good crowd up there. They're real, real supported in their hometown. I, I yeah, I think the Knights might get up. I would say if the Raiders, you know, played to their potential, they would win quite comfortably. But they're not there yet. That's a lot of team, I think. Big forward pack. It takes them a while to get going. Later in the year, I'll probably pick differently. But right now, early on, and the way it's still you know, settling in, those teams are still finding their places. I think Newcastle might get one on them. And our last game, the local derby, the Southern Sydney derby, the Mighty Dragons versus the equally Mighty Sharks. And that that's that. Jubilee. Well, let's say just let's just say the dragons against the Mighty Sharks because the dragons, there's nothing mighty about those dragons, I can tell you. Oh, mate. They played, but they weren't that bad last week. And they were good the week before. They were, they weren't that bad until the last ten minutes, and then they were dreadful. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were dreadful those, those last few minutes. I'll admit that they were they were okay. They were okay and competitive for seventy minutes, but that last ten they were awful. Brisbane just ran all over them. Look, I might be proven wrong, but I don't think the Dragons will get anywhere near the Sharks. I don't think, and I'm a Dragons fan. I'm going to tip against them. I don't think they'll get any within, not even Kui of the Sharks. All right. So we'll have a look at those results next week. And you might have seen already in the media today or yesterday that the coaching circus of St. George Illawarra has started up again. Did you say that? Yeah, I did. And I have to say, what's that story about? Why would they be saying that now? And why would you be thinking of sacking a Why wouldn't you have just done it before the season started? Exactly. Exactly. Why start them? It, it just starts a media conversation that wasn't didn't need to be started. Slow news day, I'm thinking. A slow sports news day. Maybe. Maybe that's what they've picked up on. I, I don't know. But, you know, the story is that Griffin's been told he won't be offered a position. He's got to apply like anyone else, and which is clearly, you know, you can apply, but you're not going to get it because if you're going to get it, we'll give it to you. So, you know, he's, he's clearly on the way out the door. Seems that way, but Dragons have got some very strange history on those things. That is true. Remember McGregor? One of the, it seemed like every season he was under pressure. But remember one of the times it was this sort of start of the season, under pressure. Then they went on, a, they won about three or four straight and they signed him for the next three years. They did. I do remember that year, yes. <laughs> and, and then they started losing straight afterwards. 
Ah, bizarre. Look, I don't think Griffin will be – I've said this earlier. I don't think Griffin will be the coach next year, but why they're going this route and announcing that whole process in round – you know, after round three, I do not know. I do not understand it. And it's just another distraction that club who's walking a bit of tightrope as it is doesn't need. No, I agree. They certainly don't need that. Well, the only positive I heard from it was the names mentioned, at least they weren't from the old, tired, recycled they, – they were ex-Dragons players. Well credentialed. I was going to say, they've still gone back to their old philosophy of ex-old boys, Dragons old boys. They have, but I will say they do have runs on the board in the assistant coaching. That is true. Jason Riles has been getting close to head coach. I think Jason Riles, Ben Hornby, and Dean Young. And they're all being proper. You know, they've all done a proper apprenticeship. So, yeah, you know, I agree, Greg. The danger is the old boys thing. But at least those three have some credentials behind them. Yeah, and as you said, they're not going the recycled. Oh, if it... If you heard names like Michael McGuire and um, Trent Barrett. That's what I was trying to say, yes. yes seriously. You, I would be shaking my head and fighting. And I would be changing to the Dolphins, I can tell you right now. <laughs> yes, we'll see what happens. Now, just finishing on NRL, Greg. Now, we, we chatted the last few weeks about teams that make their debut how they and with the Dolphins, how they often win their first game. So I had a very quick look post-1995 because you have to, you know, we could have gone right back, but pretty pointless. So NRL started in 97, so pretty much the NRL era, give or take a few years. And I just quickly, teams that started, we had four new teams in 95. The South Queensland Crushers, they lost to Parramatta and came 16th out of 20 teams. Western Reds won, and but lost the next week. Cowboys lost and then lost the second week and came last. The Warriors, they lost 22-25 to the Broncos, they nearly won. And then they lost the next week to the Steelers. They came 20, uh, 10th out of 20. St. George Illawarra lost their first game, and they lost their second game and made the grand final in uh, 99. The Storm beat, won their first game against the Steelers and beat the Magpies and came third in their first ever year. The Tigers drew 24 over the Broncos and then beat the ne- and won the next week, and they just missed the finals. Northern Eagles, they, they won their first game, lost their second game, but they finished 12th out of 14 teams. Gold Coast lost to St. George by two points and beat Cronulla the next week. So from my research, Greg, the statistics basically say absolutely nothing. <laughs> There's no trend either way. No, that doesn't seem to be a trend either way. But yeah, I thought interesting to see, yeah, I wanted to look up how they went the second week, even, the, even those who did win. And it, it just seems some teams were reasonably good teams from the start and could win the next week, and whereas the others basically did not. Well, anyway, if that hasn't put some people to sleep, I don't know what has. Do you want to change codes very briefly? Yeah, I, I actually didn't catch much of the AFL first round, so I'll be relying on you for this one. Okay, so first round of the AFL. Now, this is quite this is quite amazing. Or could will it be a draw in the fir- first game was a draw, okay, between Richmond and Carlton. So 58 points all. Um, then we had Collingwood beat the Geelong, North Melbourne, you know, trying to get off the bottom of the ladder, beat the Eagles. Port Adelaide beat the Lions. Melbourne flogged the Bulldogs. The Swans touched up the Gold Coast. The Giants had a su- slightly surprising and good win against the Crows. Essendon, Essendon flogged Hawthorne. And St. Kilda beat Fremantle. So, look, probably a couple of up- upset. Or well, Collingwood beating the Cats. Although Collingwood, you know, were talking themselves up. And, look, Collingwood will be competitive this year. How close they'll be, you know, when it matters, I'm not sure. Look, the Eagles who have been trying to rebuild, but North to get a win straight away, Alistair Clarkson. Yeah, is it, is it the Clarkson factor? Who knows? Look, the Lions, that's a disappointing start when they're one of the fancy teams. 
you know, getting getting flogged by Port. Look, Melbourne, Melbourne, as we discussed a couple of episodes ago, one of the favourites. So they've tuned up. Look, the Swannies. We mentioned we'd love to see the Gold Coast go well. That wasn't a good start. Giants. Now, that was a good win. Like, Crows, you know, they're on the improve. And apparently, I didn't see any of it. But the Giants, you know, it was pretty close. And they expected the Crows to run away. But it was actually the, the Giants who you know, held their composure and got it done. Look, Hawthorne are in the rebuilding phase. So they're, they're favourites for the spoon. Essendon, you know, the question mark's still on them. And St. Kilda, Ross Lyon being back there. So against his old club, Frio. So quite a good win. Look, I won't go into it too much, but a little bit of talk in the AFL world about the is the bump dead? Whenever they get bought, whenever they can't find many headlines, it's always is the bump dead. But there were a few suspensions and some of them seemed innocuous. Some innocuous ones seemed to get more time rubbed out than more serious ones. So it was one of those sort of head head scratching type, yeah, head type rounds where a bit of inconsistency in the in the judiciary. But anyway, look, the AFL that's started and they're playing. They also play Thursday nights for the first part of the season. So this week's games, we won't do a prediction, but one as I mentioned is is being played as we speak. Geelong are playing Carlton, and Carlton are winning uh, eighty three to sixty. Look like taking the game out. So look, some interesting games this week. Brisbane can they bounce back against? Melbourne, so that's another, you know, two highly fancy teams. Collingwood and Port Adelaide, the two Magpies, you now the two black and white teams. Crows, Richmond, Western Bulldogs, St Kilda, Frio versus North. We'll see how North can North win two weeks in a row. That's over at Optus in Perth, so that's a that'll be a hard one for them. Swannies versus Hawthorne, Essendon versus the Suns, West Coast versus Giants. So the Giants also have to head over to Perth. Both codes, Liam, <laughs> Liam, sorry, Greg. Is I really fan of whoever said that you can't really judge much in a footy season to about ten rounds, and by then each team has played the really good teams, the mediocre teams, and the crap teams, and then you can see how you know how it how it's going to pan out. Look, I think that's a really fair point. I know we've commented on the league making these judgments and predictions too early in the season and not giving teams a chance, particularly those with high turnover players and or and or new coaches. And AFL is no different to the NRL. And I, you're right. I think you've got to let them travel on the road, let them play at home, give them a few weeks against the better you know teams and some of the weaker teams, and and see how it plays out. And as you said, between eight rounds eight and twelve, I think you start to get a bit of a feel for what it's going to look like. More genuinely. Yeah. And also, the media often get excited after six rounds. Teams been on top. But no one really gets out and has a look at, okay, who have they played? And compare them with another team who's struggling. You know, who's played a lot of the, the top teams from the previous year. So, yeah. I, I just need to give it. It's generally, isn't it, 10 rounds, three months. Three months in, and then you start getting a clearer picture. Okay. So, that's the, the AFL world. Now, changing, changing codes, Greg, or sports. Basketball. It's been a big few weeks. In the basketball, the NBL and the WNBL. Yeah, it has. So the basketball season's come to an end. It, it It's a summer sport now. It runs opposite to the football, and that's intentional for trying, you know, garner some interest and not compete against the footy codes, which I think is a good strategy. In the And we mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the NBL final, it was the New Zealand Breakers v Sydney Kings. Now, Sydney have been the standout team all season, been on top all season. They're probably everyone's most hated team outside the Sydney fans themselves. Yes. And to be To be fair, anyone who doesn't, you know, support the Kings, hates the Kings, myself included, being an Illawarra Hawks fan. They're not my favourite team, but as a basketball fan, they were the best team and the most consistent all season. And as I talked about, the, the Championship Series is a best of five games in Australia. So, and the Kings won that for, uh, three games to two. They were very competitive. 
some upsets along the way. Games, both teams won in upsets along the way. But the last game, the fifth game, which was last Wednesday night, was a really good game. And New Zealand were actually winning with five minutes to go and then just capitulated. It was just amazing to watch. And Sydney went in like a 7-2 streak and that was all they needed in the last few minutes. So well done to Sydney. I think one of the best stories that come out of it as a basketball fan is the crowds that were garnered from both in New Zealand and in Sydney. And you and I got to see the game three. We were there over 18,000 people on that Friday night. The Sunday game in New Zealand, that was a sellout and their stadium smaller, but it was 10,000 people in Auckland went to that game. And it was another 18,000 turned up on the Wednesday night in Sydney for the championship game. So really healthy crowds. Yeah, we're all part of a record crowd for one week. Well, less than because it was Friday and then it was broken on the following Wednesday. The so, following Wednesday, but yeah. Look, I, as a basketball fan and someone who wants to see the game grow in Australia, it, it was really nice to see it being so popular again in this country. Yeah, re- real good, really good shot in the arm, isn't it? Yeah, and look, we, we know as, as Sydney siders and Victoria are better supporters in live than Victorians are better supporters than Sydney siders. That's the New South Wales people. It's just the way it is. But to see those sort of crowds come out to see the Kings play, and and they said that last game was midweek in a school night, and they still got over eighteen thousand people. As you said, it actually was eighteen thousand three hundred or something. So really, really good, healthy crowd midweek for basketball. You know, I, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but I, I think you know, A League would look at that and just salivate and go, "What do we need to do to get sort of." crowds like that at our games because they're played at weekends they're not getting anywhere near that sort of crowd look granted it was a final um but you and i went to a friday night game where there was no there was no winner at the end we knew going that we still wouldn't know who won the series out of new zealand or sydney and yet we still had was over eighteen thousand people there and i think that shows that there is interest in the sport again the product in australia's you know high quality again people are interested in the sport and you know i think sydney's a bit of a benchmark if sydney's doing well the basketball in australia does well it's just the way it is and i think sydney have proven they're putting a really good product on the on the court in that that arena and people are happy to pay to go and see it and i think it's a really good message for the game that was so well supported i hope it, i hope it continues continues to grow definitely a barometer because i think you know it's a t- it's a tough market sydney and and they're on they're, they're getting the crowd in at the moment the thing with sydney they've got to st- they don't have to win every year but they've got to stay competitive every year for those people to keep coming keep back coming. but two good comments i want to make greg is the bar- Barometer, you're right about Sydney and with the NBL and a bit like, you know, the old when New South Wales cricket's strong, Australian cricket's strong, that sort of thing. We'll talk about that in a minute because obviously it must be weak at the moment because New South Wales had a shocking year in the Shield. But but also, I, I think what's helping is because the NBA is so accessible, the viewing of it is so accessible now to the young fans who are all over the social media platforms. And, that, and, and they, a lot of the young people, they follow it, you know, quite avidly and that's and of course and that and that feeds back into the nbl look i I think that's a really good point i think with foxtel slash ko slash espn which is shown on foxtel and ko cover a lot of nba and are now the basketball channel for you know the pay tv channel for australian basketball nbl and they're often back to back on the weekend so you'll get a couple of nba games followed by a couple of nbl games on espn one and two and they're doing a really good of promoting it as their basketball one-stop shop basically and as you said i think the nba is so accessible people still love it but they're staying there now and seeing the quality of the basketball in australia it's not at that level i'm not going to pretend it's like watching an nba game but it's certainly good basketball that's enjoyable and the quality of the imports that we're getting now are nba level fringe nba players that have you know either at the end of the career or just been cut or played a few years in the nba and moving on things like that so there's certainly a lot of it the imports we get now have had significant NBA experience joining our league. 
which makes the league stronger, which means the Australian players have got to be better to compete. And we're seeing the other side of that is we're seeing more and more Australians get a run in the NBA. I think I read, I think we've got 11 playing in the NBA at the moment across multiple teams, which is really good for Australian basketball in terms of interest. And again, filters back to watching the NBL. And, and that's so important, isn't it? To have Australian representation in the NBA, or well, that gets particularly young fans more excited. Oh, I think so. I think basketball. so. It gives you, you know, you follow, you know, you follow your Josh Giddies in OKC or your Paddy Mills in Brooklyn or Xavier Cooks, who's just started with Washington. You know, you give a reason to follow one of those teams. And, and the thing is, Aussies are spread out. You know, you've got Josh Green playing really well for Dallas. You've got Joe Ingles playing for Milwaukee, who's you know basically the best team in the league at the moment. So there's really competitive teams with Australians in them, that, which is really good, I think, and gives you someone to follow and watch. So well done to the NBL. Well done to the Sydney Kings, as much as that hurts me to say it. They were the <laughs> deserved winners and deserved champions. I can't, you know, as a sports fan, you can't say they weren't. They were. But credit to New Zealand, who were really competitive and took it right up to the Kings. It wasn't one-sided. The full five games were played. And as I said, New Zealand were actually winning with five minutes to go and looking really good. So credit to New Zealand after two years basically playing out of Tasmania because of COVID, their first proper season home and away, really competitive. They came second last the year before. No, sorry, they came last. Cairns came second last. And now they're runners-up. So big turnaround in in 12 months. So, again, credit to the NBL. I have to say credit to the Kings, but kudos to the Breakers for what they've done in the last 12 months and put basketball back in the map in New Zealand and made that series so competitive. I think they're they're a great organisation doing really good things. Great achievement to them, and I agree with you that the Kings. Yeah, hurts, but it's true. On, while we're on Australian basketball, WNBL, the Women's National Basketball League, finished up um, last night, Wednesday night. It ended up the grand final series between Townsville Fire and Southside Flyers, one of the Melbourne teams. They play a best of three series for their grand final, and Townsville dominant. They won in two. They won the first game the other night in Townsville and then won again last night in Melbourne. They, they have just won 16 games on a trot. They are they played phenomenal basketball. It was actually a really good game. The first game was a bit of blowout. They won by about 25. Last night was really close. Again, they blew it out in the last few minutes because Southside started jacking up some threes to try and close the gap and they ran away with it. But it was a much closer game than the final score showed. But again, deserved winners. Outstanding in the final series. And it was great to see they played at the State Basketball Centre down in Victoria last night which I think seats around the 4,000, 3,000 to 4,000 mark. It was a sellout. And the first game was in Townsville at the Townsville Entertainment Centre, which is about four and a half and, again, a sellout. So great to see a regional team supporting women's yeah. sport. They don't have a men's team anymore. They only got the women's team. And the crowd turned out for it up there. And, you know, the team was phenomenal all season. Finished first in the regular season and were dominant in the playoffs. So well done, Townsville. And great to see women's sport being so well supported and you know, great to see crowds going out for women's sport. Really high quality female basketball is fantastic. Great to see, and it's getting bigger. Not just basketball, obviously, but it's getting women's sport. It is gradually, isn't it? Getting the the kudos and the and the crowd support that it deserves. Yeah, it is quite rightly, but it really is. And as I said, not just basketball. I mean, I follow the basketball. It's not just the basketball. You you've got the WBBL, the women's big bash, WAFL or WAFLW. I think does really good stuff. Um, NRLW is expanding this year with more teams and growing their sport. So there's really good things happening. Uh, the net, Super Netball is really strong, gets really good TV viewership and crowds. So really good things happening in female sport, which is fantastic. As I, as I just said, you know, no, great great to see. And, you know, may it continue to, to build. Yes. Hopefully it builds. 
both basketball itself, but female basketball and female sport in general. All, all that, as we've just talked about, as the package continues to grow the way it's heading because it's all heading in the right direction, that's for sure. Excellent. Now, we mentioned briefly, Greg, the A-League. Look, we'll have a look at the, the competition cropper in the ne- next episode, but a bit of expansion talk this week. Can you fill us in? Yeah, it was something that I read I read last week in the media, and I just, I'm, I, you know, I... I'm, uh, you, neither you and I are soccer aficionados. We've both made that quite clear. But you know, generally keep your eye out and follow all sport. And I saw the A League announce they're expanding by two teams. The the, com- the competition is going to expand by two teams. And I don't know if it's next season or the one after. But they've announced that there's going to be a new team in Canberra and a new team in Auckland. So that'll be a second New Zealand team because they already have the Wellington Phoenix. So it'll be Auckland somebody and then expanding in Australia into into Canberra. Now the bit about it I found quite interesting was. There was no bidding for a license for a club. The the A League or Football Australia or Football Federation Australia FFA or whatever it's called now announced that they were they wanted to put a team. They'd done their research and their research said the best places to put a team right now were Canberra and Auckland, which they've announced. They've now gone to out to those two areas to see if there's corporate support for those two teams to start off. So they've kind of in my mind done it in reverse, which I found quite interesting. That you know, when when leagues expand, they usually put their feelers out and ask for bids, and then organisations or conglomerates with financial backing put a bid forward and said they'll play out of this stadium and they represent this area, and this is our financial finance case, and then they'll go away and look at it and, and you know come back and say what's the most sustainable. Well, they've kind of done it in reverse, and I found that really interesting. That's all I've asked about. Yeah, but it is an interesting way to do it. I wonder what they're thinking behind it is. Well, the other thing is. You and I have both commented on this. The A-League, I don't know where their finance is coming from because they're not getting great crowds, which I'm not saying is a good thing. I think it's a bit sad, actually, because you know whether it's a good product or not, I don't know. It is the, uh, it is a, a national league, and they're well represented across regional and metropolitan areas, but they don't draw good crowds. Their media, their TV viewership is not high. It's, all games are showed on Paramount Plus streaming service, and then there's select games on Channel 10 and some of those Channel 10 online stations or streaming stations. So I don't know why they, I mean, obviously they want more viewership, but it must cost to expand as well. So I'm finding the A-League in an interesting position at the moment. Yeah, look, it, it crossroads is that to putting it a, a little bit too dramatically, but, you know, we've had the World Cup and that was so successful, but it certainly, look, and the Women's World Cup will do, only do positive things, I'm sure. Yeah, but the A-League itself, and we know the call, you know, the, the World Cup and the players who play in the A-League who did so well. So it's not because the quality of the players is is really poor, is it? I don't think so. It doesn't seem to be. There, were, you know, The A-League was in that World Cup squad. A-League were well-represented. I mean, the majority of players were from Europe, and you would expect that to be. But there were certainly players from the A-League in that squad, and they were not embarrassed in any way, shape, or form for what I watched or read about. No, they played, they played really well. So it's certainly not that. Yeah, it's... It's a little bit perplexing. The A-League has already had some failures. You know, we've had an, the Gold Coast as part of the A-League that's folded. We've had Townsville Fury, which are part of A-League and folded. So they've had some expansion before it shrunk and now they're expanding again. It's just interesting the way they're doing it. And I'm not, I don't know whether it's good or bad. Maybe it's the way to go. Maybe it is you choose your, you know, do your research, choose your location based on your research says appetite for football and finance availability and then go out to the market after you make a decision about where to 
play. I, I guess if you're going to do that, they've got to have the finances as a backup plan because we've already announced Canberra. So if they don't get the corporate dollar, do they finances to put a team there in the short term till interest builds up? I don't know. No, nor, nor do I agree. I, I think it might be time in future episodes is that we have a chat to someone that actually knows more about the A-League. You know? I'd love to get an A-League fan on. I really would. Okay. So, listeners, if anyone's an A-League aficionado, or I know a couple of people that will be able to help us out. Perhaps that would be that would be terrific. Yeah, you know, just yeah, just for our benefit as well. Absolutely. I mean, I, I again, I I was perplexed when the Macarthur Rams, who were an ex- one of their last expansion teams, got offered a position. Given the fact that Western Sydney already had the Wanderers, which had a good supporter base, Macarthur's just more of Western Sydney. Let's really so you're diluting your own supporter base instead of going to a new area. Yeah. No, I found interesting. Really, really perplexing for me. And but the A League, the A League have been interesting from the start. Yeah, what right when they started, they did you know no team in Wollongong, a team on the Gold Coast and Newcastle. Oh, sorry, that's right, Central and Coast. Central. Sorry, I mean Central, Central Coast. Coast. Yeah. So yeah, there's always been interesting ways of doing things. So I think it's time. Yeah, it's time to bring an expert in. I think, Greg. I'd love. I actually would genuinely love to have someone who knows about the A League in the background and where they're heading in the future, and have a chat about you know where where soccer's heading and some of the reasoning behind the decisions they're making. Because as an outsider, I I I, I wish I did, but I don't fully understand. Hey, me either. All right, leave it in my uh, very incapable hands, mate. Now, cricket. I just wanted to have a bit of a chat about cricket. Now, it's been a while. Because we didn't go last week, I'm just not sure if we'd finish the test match, but Australia and India, the final test was a draw. Um, we mentioned how they prepared a, a quite a slow pitch without all the turn from the previous previous test matches. So a bit of a batsman's paradise. So Australia made 480, India made 571. So the result was always looking highly likely for a draw. And if India had got a few bowlers out cheaply, they might have been a chance, but but they 180, uh, sorry, 175 for two when they caught it quits. So so that was that. Look, some good bowling performances. Lyon, look, Lyon and Murphy got three each in India's innings. You know, really toiled away. Ashwin got six for nine, six for 90 odd in Australia's innings. So good. But, you know, we can debate India had to draw at least to make the Test Championship final. So you could argue they put a strip that was only going to give a draw. They didn't want to risk letting Australia win. Oh, who knows? But the reality is... I, I hope that's not the case. I, I do. I hope that... I understand what you're saying. I hope that's not the case. I hope they just tried to go a bit further to balance out a bit, but went too far. I don't... Yeah. I, I, you don't like to think those sinister, you know, those sinister tactics were at play, and I'm not saying they weren't, but it'd be disappointing if that was the reality. But you're right. I do know that the draw guaranteed India the spot in the World Test, whatever it's called. Championship, yeah. Indeed. Now, be remiss of me to mention, now, after only a couple of weeks ago, when an exciting test match between England and New Zealand, which New Zealand yes. narrowly won, I think it was. And also, so they backed it up again. Sri Lanka are touring at the moment. And they, sorry, I just glanced in my follow. I think the NRL's gone a golden point with Penrith and Parramatta. Um, but this test match, so Sri Lanka batted first, made 355. Tim Southey made five wickets. New Zealand made 373. Mitchell, 102. So it's, you know, that's even, almost. Sri Lanka, 302. Matthews made 115 in their second dig. So New Zealand needed 285, right, for victory. So heading last day, Williamson made 121. Mitchell made 81. 
They needed, I think it was two runs or one run off the last ball of the day. Wow. Good <laughs> test match. Yeah. And they got they got the runs. So New Zealand won. So New Zealand won with zero balls remaining. Now, what a test match that is. That's fantastic, isn't it? And that's just a week later than another superb test match. So, Having the Kiwis had a good a good season of their test oh, cricket. Wonderful. And if you're a cricket if you're a cricket fan in New Zealand, you'd be loving it right now. And obviously, you know, weather's not playing too much of a of a role and as it can do in New Zealand sometimes. And they're getting, yeah, really good test matches, good contests. That's fantastic. Which yeah, New Zealand's a little bit like England in their wickets. Yeah, you know, a bit slower, but they often seem around a bit and create a good contest between bat and ball. Recent history says so because the you know, two different touring teams and amazing test matches on both occasions are less than a month apart. Yeah, that's just yeah, I, I find that just yeah. We've we've had this chat, long live test cricket, and that's another example. Yeah. And look and just very briefly, the Australia won we won the final one day against India to to clinch I think it was a five game series. So look, normally you know my opinion on one-day cricket these days, Greg. Yeah, same as mine is the same as yours. As you know, we've made that quite clear on this podcast as well. But what with the World Cup being played there later this year, that's that's a nice little hit out. That's a yeah. I I, I heard it was the first time India had lost the series in India for some four years or something. Yeah, years, yeah, very dominant in one day. They hadn't been beaten in a series in one-day cricket in India for many many years. So that was good, and it, as you said, it bodes well for the World Cup which is being held in India later in the year for Australia. So, yeah, that, that was a good result for those who are actually interested. Yeah, for those who give a, give a hoot. So, yeah, good hit out for us. Now, just an NRL update. The Eels, Mitchell Moses kicked a field goal in Golden Point to get Parramatta home. So they get their first win and Penrith haven't started the season that well. So, interesting. I just saw over my shoulder they some bloke from Penrith was sin bin. So that wouldn't have helped. And obviously a penalty down the other end. So anyway, so Mitchell Moses has paid for his big contract already, I would say. Um, just a couple of things from me, Greg, before uh, welcoming you for any any final comments. But we're going to have a look next week at Dick Fosbury, who was the famous high jumper who invented, you know, changed the weight, basically changed high jump forever. I think it was 68 Olympics when they used to do the straddle sort of jump. Yeah, like a, like a scissor kick over the yeah, bar. scissor kick over the bar. But he actually jumped back backwards you know he's sort of backwards and feet so feet following the you know, basically backside back first and then doing it that way and it became and it was adopted by everyone thereafter um so yeah he basically changed changed the sport so we're going to have a little bit look at him next week and also something that i a person i'd never heard of we both read this article and peter fitzsimons the the fitz files last week there was actually a kiwi athlete who did change long jump basically incorporated a long jump, a, a somersault into long jump. And that would have been really interesting, but apparently it was banned because too dangerous. But it was successful. Apparently he was, it actually worked in terms of getting more length in the jump, but it was deemed not to be within the long jump rules. So they didn't allow it to continue. But yeah, I, I saw the same article. Yeah, definitely broken neck territory, I would suggest. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll have a look at that. And a name I've written down, Greg, not for next, probably not for next episode, but shortly, because these days with so many good try scorers in the NRL, and particularly with Alex Johnson, the South Swinger, scoring so many, you know, heading up to the almost untouchable Ken Irvine. So I was thinking I might do a little history history segment on Ken Irvine in the next few weeks. Because quite a few of our younger listeners, okay, they see his name up there, 
but they probably wouldn't have a much of an idea who Ken Irvine was. No, that'd be good. That'd be a good bit of background yeah, on that. So that's that's coming up. Um, mate, that's probably it from me. Was there anything else you wanted to? No, I think we've covered all the bits and pieces. Uh, I know the A-League's coming to an end, so we probably need to check in how their semis or finals and things are going because I know their season's coming to an end. I know Super Netball started, so we probably need to start following that a bit more closely. and. Really? See how that's going, and I know the F one Formula One started, and yeah, and that's I had coming a- to, I think the next race is I think the next race is actually in Melbourne, so we need to get on board with that after each race as well. So a few things to catch up on. Yeah, yeah, I think last weekend, yeah, Saudi Arabia. I think it was the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. In it the last was, week. it was Saudi Arabia. And yes, Red Bull won two, but it was the other way round. The Stappen came second, and the other driver won it. But yeah, we'll, we'll certainly look look more into that next episode yeah just so and and you'll give a premier league update i'm sure going forwards all our footy updates and a premier league update and you know anything else that occurs between then and now absolutely well that's probably brings us to the end mate thank you for a good good catch up after missing last week so it was a good chat really appreciate it it certainly was and as always plenty of sport happening to our listeners thanks very much for for tuning in and whatever sport you're doing or watching have enjoyed this weekend and the, and the next week ahead and we look forward to catching up again in the next week or so yeah have a great weekend all and we'll catch up again next week have a fantastic weekend bye everyone.